Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to the Brian Dainsburg Podcast, Christian Living in a Complicated World. I'm your host, Brian Dainsburg, lead pastor of Alliance Bible Church, located in beautiful southeast Wisconsin. Now, I recognize that some people can get skittish when preachers start talking about money, but that's usually because of previous bad experiences or skewed generalizations created by preachers who didn't teach on the subject with biblical faithfulness. So I'm going to do my very best not to be that guy in this podcast. The reality is, as a pastor, I have a responsibility to teach the whole counsel of God. And the reality is, if I'm teaching all of the Bible, then we're going to come across money a few dozen times. As an example of that, Jesus taught on the subject of money more than he did on the subject of heaven or hell. Of the 39 parables recorded in the Gospels, 11 of them are on money and possessions. So, the Jesus whom we love and worship and serve did not shy away from talking about this subject, and so neither should we. We should honestly face what the scriptures teach about money. Now, this is not a podcast on the nuts and bolts of financial management. There are other podcasts that do that, but this is a podcast today on the topic of money sickness. Money sickness. The bad news is more of us are infected with money sickness than we'd like to admit. The good news is it's curable. I'm going to look at three things today. I want to start, first of all, by talking about biblical money 101. Just read some passages to kind of get a feel for the sweep of how the Bible talks about it. And then I want to talk about signs you have money sickness and keys to curing money sickness. Um, We're going to be looking at some passages from Luke, but other places as well, Luke 12. So, Biblical Money 101, signs you have money sickness and keys to curing money sickness. First, Biblical Money 101. The Bible's discussion of money basically falls into two categories, the dangers of money and the blessings of money. The dangers of money, the blessings of money. Let me just read a couple of passages under each category. The dangers of money. Jesus is speaking in Matthew 6. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 1 Timothy 6, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Or Ecclesiastes 5, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Or Hebrews 13, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So you've got a group of passages like that that talk about the dangers of money, but you also have a group of passages that talk about the blessings of money. Proverbs 10, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Or Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So there is this tension in the scripture's approach to money. Okay? 
On the one hand, it's a, it's a danger. On the other hand, it's a blessing. And that's important that we keep those two things together. Craig Blomberg has written a marvelous book. It's the best book out there called Neither Poverty Nor Riches. Best book out there on what, what the Bible teaches about money and possessions. In, in one of his conclusions, he writes this. No ungodly poor people are ever exalted as models for emulation. No godly rich people who are generous and compassionate in their use of wealth are ever condemned. Let me say it again. No ungod, ungodly poor people are ever exalted as models for emulation. No godly rich people who are generous and compassionate in the use of their wealth are ever condemned. So it's too simplistic to say wealth is bad or wealth is good. It's too simplistic to say if someone has a lot of money, they're evil, or if someone has very little money, they're good. Scripture is far more nuanced than that. So that's just kind of a basic foundation for money in the Bible. Now let me talk about, I want to spend more time on this, signs you have money sickness. I'm going to be looking at, at Luke 12. Signs you have money sickness. Now, signs you have money sickness falls into two categories, significance and security. If, if you're looking to money to be your significance or your security, you probably have money sickness. And this will become clear as we dig into it. Money by itself does nothing for you. That's important to remember. Having a million dollars in the bank of itself is meaningless. It's what that million dollars can do for you that's valuable to you. What we want money to do for us is what causes money to become a sickness. And in the Bible, there are two basic roles we want money to play in our lives that become problematic. Those two roles are when we ask money to be our significance or our security. And let me look at each one of those. Money has significance. Here are signs money has become a source of significance to you. One is gloating. In the parable in Luke 12, verse 19, the rich man says to himself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So in this parable, the rich man gloats about his bigger barns, his increasing excess. Gloating is an obvious sign money is one's significance. Look at my house, look at my car, look at my clothes. When I use money to impress myself or others, it's become a source of my significance. And whether we realize it or not, we have money sickness. Another sign that money, it, we're using money for our significance is beauty. We see that in verse 27. Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. When, when people use their money and possessions to make themselves feel worthy, attractive, desirable, money has become their beauty, their significance. And so... We have money sickness if we look to it to be our significance. That is, if I'm, I have money sickness if I'm using my money to impress people or to make me feel beautiful or to make me feel important. If I'm using money in these ways, then I have money sickness. I'm using money as my significance. But another category within this parable is using money as security. We see that, and a sign of that is worry. Verse 22, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. So we worry when we want something, but we may not get it. We worry when we want a good job review by the boss, but we're not sure we're going to get it. We worry when we want to have enough money to, to retire, but we're not sure we'll, we'll have it. We worry when we have set our hearts on having something. If you worry about money, you've set your heart on it. 
Now, just a note on this, when you look at gloating and worry, it tells us money can be a sickness when you're prospering and when you're not prospering. This is why if money is a sickness for me, it's not my financial position that needs to change. It's my relationship with it that needs to change. So another sign money is a sickness is that you worry about not having enough of it. Another sign you're using money for security purposes, looking to it to give you security, is if you want it to provide you with safety. Verse 24, Jesus points out, uh, points to an example from nature. He talks about the ravens. He says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. When you look to money to keep you safe, it's become a sickness. There, there's a voice that gets inside our heads and it says to us, here's how you can have control in an uncontrollable world. Here's how you can have safety in an unsafe world. Have money, have investments, have lots of savings. But when you think about what makes life dangerous, money can't do anything about that. So one sign I might be, I might be suffering from money sickness, I'm looking to money to give me security, is if I am counting on it to keep me safe. Another sign that I'm using money as my security is my pursuit of it. Verses 29 and 30 of Luke 12, And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. So one sign that I'm suffering from money sickness is that I'm pursuing it. And how do people pursue money? Two common ways are either by overworking or by thinking about it all the time. If you're constantly working, trying to get ahead in life financially, you might be looking to money to be your security. If you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about money and you go to bed at night thinking about money, if your conversations frequently drift towards the subject of money, you might have money sickness. Signs money has become a a, a sickness in our lives is that we look to money to be our source of significance or security. That is, you look to money to make you look impressive or prestigious to those around you, or you look to money to keep you safe. So before we look at keys to curing this, let me just throw out a few diagnostic questions. How, would you, how, how you would answer these questions is a barometer of your relationship to money. Number one, do you have an internal uneasiness when you're doing your budget or paying the bills? Two, do you struggle at times with an underlying agitation towards those who have more than you? Three, do you possess a drive to accumulate more? Four, do you fantasize over new ways to make more money? Five, do you struggle to give away your money? These are diagnostic questions designed to gauge, be a barometer for your relationship to money. So what are the keys to curing money sickness? Keys to curing money sickness. Let me give you three keys to curing money sickness. Number one, think often about what makes life dangerous. Think about what makes life threatening to our safety and security, to our prestige and our beauty. What makes life threatening to those things? Well, you could make a list. Cancer, illness, injury, broken relationships, death. That's what makes life dangerous, and money can't do a thing to stop any of those. My, my grandma died several years ago from stomach cancer, and she was a wonderful example of how to die well. She died with courage and joy, and I saw a picture of her towards the end of her, of her life with a big smile on her face. She had money, but that didn't protect her. 
During her battle with cancer, her money did nothing for her significance or her security. So money is powerfully deceptive. It, it can convince us that if we have it, what makes life dangerous will no longer be a threat to us. But that's a lie. Money in the end is impotent against cancer, illness, injury, broken relationships, and death, which is why God encourages us to think often about what really makes life dangerous. And Psalm 90 says, teach us to number our days aright so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This term, number our days, is a call to contemplate our mortality. In effect, the psalmist is saying, think about your death. Or Psalm 39, show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. Or Ecclesiastes 7, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Think often about what makes life dangerous. Money can't do a thing about it. So thinking about what makes life dangerous can detach us from money. Detachment from money alleviates money sickness. That's the first key. Think often about what makes life dangerous. Second, get rid of it. Money sickness is self-inflicted. Okay, I can't blame someone else for my money sickness. The sickness is created when I look to money to be my significance and security. When I look to money and possessions to give me a sense of prestige or importance, to make me look impressive to the people around me, or when I look to money to give me a sense of security or control or protection. When I do all that, I'm turning money into a sickness. Money becomes a self-inflicted sickness. When I'm asking it to do something for me, it's incapable of fulfilling. So get rid of, getting rid of money helps prevent me from seeing it as a source of significance and security. Generosity, this is so important, it's counterintuitive. Generosity actually helps cure money sickness. Generosity actually helps cure money sickness because it takes money off the table when I'm searching for significance and security. When I get rid of money, it ceases to become an option for my significance or security, which is a good thing. Christian Smith, who is a Christian sociologist, did a massive study on the subject of generosity, and he published his findings in a book entitled The Paradox of Generosity. In his surveys and interviews with Americans, he discovered a correlation between financial generosity and what he calls the five measures of well-being. They are happiness, bodily health, purpose in living, avoidance of depression, and interest in personal growth. He said, those Americans who consistently practice giving away 10% or more of their income experienced greater personal happiness, physical health, a stronger sense of purpose in life, avoidance of symptoms of depression, and greater interest in personal growth. Basically, the summary statement of his findings is this. Generous people tend to receive back goods that are even more valuable than those they gave. Or to put it differently, generous people are less likely to experience money sickness. John Wesley was an 18th century preacher and theologian. In his first year as a pastor, Wesley earned $30,000 for that year. In the next year, he earned $35,000. God continued to bless his ministry until in his best year, Wesley earned $1.4 million. Even though Wesley's income reached staggering numbers every year, Wesley lived on $28,000 a year. When Wesley made, in that, in that year, when he made $1.4 million, he lived on $28,000 and he gave away $1,372,000.
Now, I'm not going to hold up necessarily what Wesley did as a model for all to follow, but he is onto something here that's worth thinking about. On the subject of money, he once said, when I have money, I get rid of it quickly, lest it find a way into my heart. He knew that hanging on to money can create the conditions needed for my heart to look to money to be my source of significance and security. By getting rid of it, I reduce those chances. So the first two cures to money sickness, think often about what makes life dangerous. Second, get rid of it. Be generous with your money. Third, ponder God's radical grace. Jesus said this, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Notice the order. Does Jesus say, if you give away your money and possessions, you'll be given the kingdom? Nope. He says, you have been given the kingdom, therefore sell your stuff and give generously. See, when you know the riches of the kingdom, it's incredibly difficult to be concerned with money. Only only when you realize this is what you've been given, will you be free from money sickness. Only when you realize how much you've been given, will you be free from worrying about it, free from resentment towards people who have it, free from pursuing it. Only when you realize you have the kingdom, will you be willing to dip into savings and investments and give it away. 1 Peter 2.9 is such an incredible verse. Peter writes, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Question. What did God spend? What did it cost him to get you? Answer, it cost him everything. He spared no expense to make you his own possession. That's God's radical grace. Has that thought moved you? 2 Corinthians 8 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. See, Jesus exchanged the wealth of heaven for the poverty of earth to live the life I should have lived and die the death I should have died so I can be saved by his radical grace. That truth gives me all the significance and security I'll ever need. When that truth captures our hearts, it cures money sickness and it makes us generous people. So in order to find healing from money sickness, we need to do three things. First, we need to think often about what makes life dangerous. Second, we need to get rid of it. Be generous with your money. Give more away than you think you can. And third, we need to ponder God's radical grace. May the Lord make his people every bit as generous as he is. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. 